working on. But if he's not doing his job, then the efforts of everybody else are minimized dramatically. And that is that guy in the bottom right-hand corner. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast for Friday, February the... What is tomorrow? The 9th. The 9th, 9th of yes. February. Uh, we are here at Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House doing our Super Bowl edition of the show. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. And I'm joined in person, as I always am, by producer JT. JT, how are you? I'm good. And can you tell that we're almost out of football season? I'm wearing a hockey sweater tonight because we are at Boomba's about to watch the Tampa Bay Lightning on ESPN. That's what I was very excited about. So yes, I get to watch. we are about to do that. We Both are about to. Uh, are we are about to. to do that. Do I will that. be watching for sure. Oh, OK. Well, mm-hmm. you'll be along for the ride. <laughs> but yes, as football season is almost over, we have one more game before seven months of no football um, well, I guess that's not entirely how, true. How dare you? The XFL and the AFL that's, merged. We have what is it even called? The, the UFL. The UFL. Um, you, have, you do you not have any UFL futures placed yet? No, I don't. Okay. So it's time to start watching hockey, and that includes my no, mid, my middling Tampa Bay Lightning. <laughs> so I'm so excited no, to be it's, back. It's time to start doing research on UFL team preseason. Yes, it's, that's it's fair. time for. Uh, we're talking about the Super Bowl today, primarily because that is the one game left of the 2023-2024 NFL season. We talk about what we think is going to happen. We won't spend a ton of time on it because, listen, there's every show in the entire world in this space has done one of those. So we're just going to give a couple of thoughts on it and then big thoughts on the betting slate. Last year, we uh, we went 10 and one, I believe, in the Super Bowl. It's going to be hard to beat that. Uh, we're going to try, though. We're going to try our best to go. We're, we're not going to. We had special guest Alan Bell on the show last year, who is a professional better. We love Alan. Um he gave us a lot of bets. So just the two of us, we're going to do three apiece, but we have thought long and hard about them today. And we are excited to um, end the year on, on a strong note, a strong year betting ended on, on a strong point. So uh, we're going to do that as well as the first thing we'll tackle today, a couple of Titans tidbits, just some thoughts on the team and, and some things talk about some new hires, talk about a little data philosophy thing that was on my mind today that I felt like sharing. And then we'll get out of here. So uh, a shorter show, but a, a show packed full of good things nonetheless for you today. We are brought to you by Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House, where we currently are here in Spring Hill, just 20, 25 minutes south of the Nashville area. If you live in town, we love it here at Boomba's. We uh, we weren't here last week because we were at the Senior Bowl. And I know that the two of us, once again, whenever we have to miss a week of Boomba's food and drink on Thursday morning, we typically wake up and text each other. I'm probably going to starve myself today so that I can eat as much as possible at Boomba's because it is just that good their craft pizzas are not just amazing but unlike anything you've had in the pizza space i guarantee you that it is a unique pizza experience which is kind of rare i mean like there's a lot of pizza and a lot of it's the same but boomba's does it differently and in a fantastic way they've got three locations in the middle tennessee area east nashville murfreesboro and the location we call our home store here in spring hill we love the people here we love the drinks here we love the sports watching situation here and of course we love the food here so check out a boomba's whichever one's nearest you head on over tell them that easton and jt and the hot read podcast sent you and we'd appreciate that one more housekeeping thing before we get started and uh for those of you that are listening with us live we appreciate you being here do us a couple of favors first of all if you're watching on twitter or on facebook leave those places go to broadly sports media's youtube page it's broadly sports media on youtube Hit subscribe. I know a lot of you aren't because that's not I'm not guessing. That's a fact. We see the metrics. A lot of you watch and are not subscribed, which is very silly of you because it is free to subscribe and it makes us happy. Um, And so just do us one solid 
we will we will give you content entertainment if you will in return trade us your subscription is that that meme the, the guy with the the hands like this he's like here's the trade i trade you one subscription and in return we will provide you entertainment i feel like that's a pretty good deal for you so we thank you for hitting subscribe again on broadway sports media's youtube page and join us in the comments we'd love to hear your thoughts on the super bowl anything that you think may or may not happen in this game what you're looking forward to what you're hoping might not happen um all of that we'd love to hear from you we, paul and stoney already with us in the comments appreciate you guys being with us stoney as always is cooking up his dinner watching our thursday night show said cooking up some what do you say some some corn chowder chicken corn chowder sounds delicious stoney we appreciate you being here and paul says that this is all making him hungry me too buddy and i'm gonna have to sit here for the next hour and not eat and think about eating so it only smells like delicious food in here so how hard can that be right okay um all of that out of the way let's talk about some titans things real quick um actually non-titans thing i just i I felt compelled to to say it because we're trying to find things to talk about on today's show. And I thought it was hilarious. Did you see a guy climb to the sphere? In I Vegas did yesterday. I did. Um, I don't know. I didn't, I don't know what the deal was on that. I never, do we saw... know how, do we know the conclusion of this story? I, 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 I don't, don't, I didn't see any I just reporting know on it. Somebody Where? looked at the sphere in Vegas, you know, the giant building that's a, a, a video board and somebody had climbed to the top of it and was like at the top trying to figure out how to get down. That's fun. And I think probably best summarizes how the Super Bowl week in Vegas has gone. I know the, the meat was it you earlier today that told me maybe the NFL Super Bowl media week shouldn't be a thing just because it's that's chaos. That's what I said. I mean, from the, someone climbing the sphere to both coach Kyle Shanahan and Tony Romo questionably uh, is Tony. Being, okay. It questionably being intoxicated during media day, all the way down <laughs> to to real people asking Brock Purdy at his media day, what he thinks about looking so much like Lee Harvey Oswald. Right. I think the biggest takeaway from Super Bowl Media Week is that Super Bowl Media Week should not be a thing. Brock Purdy lookalike Anna Fry broke. Brock Purdy lookalike Lee Harvey Oswald, murderer of JFK, woke, apparently. The, la- the last thing I want to say, maybe this is a story waiting to break. I know last year when the Super Bowl, I believe, was in Arizona, right? right? Um, the grass. Uh, well, Jim Wyatt broke oh, a story see, about a man scaling a building and he they had to get him down yep. and now we don't know how this story concluded on the end of the spear maybe jim has the scoop and is waiting to give it to us uh, do we know that it wasn't jim I, that is a great question because we, i have no idea i didn't i we're gonna have to check i haven't heard from stamps on some tweets yeah. we're gonna see if he has an alibi on the internet i'm not sure that he does it may very well have been jim in which yes. case that's epic and i think it's a fantastic decision what he did and i'm glad that he did it um okay uh, um Two two comments that were made at Super Bowl Media Week is our transition here um, from two players, one about to be in the league and one already a star in the league, T. Higgins and Brock Bowers. I wanted to address so that I could crush every fan's hopes and dreams on that, just kind of quash it like the uh, mean-spirited person that I am on these things. Which one should we start with? The T. Higgins thing? You want to start with the T. Higgins sure. thing? So that. some was it the Sick Pod boys? Yes. had said, The Sick Pod has a representative at Super Bowl Media Week. I'm not making fun of them asking this question at all. That is a reasonable question to ask. But they uh, put on the internet their question to T. Higgins at the Media Radio Row, asking him about potentially coming to Tennessee as a free agent, joining up with Brian Callahan, a coach that he rants and raves about whenever he gets the chance. And uh, I don't know exactly what T. Higgins said. I didn't get the quote for sure. But I know that it was something along the lines of, you know, that would be cool. I, it'd be nice to play for a coach that I've already worked with and come home because, of course, he is from the the, uh, the the Tennessee area and said some things that a lot of fans took and ran a country mile with. 
it's gonna suck for y'all when he's tagged because he's gonna get tagged I, I, like it's every 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 coping mechanism that you see and it's like an every other day thing at this point folks talking about well maybe this is why he's not tagged oh did you did you see what the Bengals owner said about or the, the gm said about the money situation and a, a comment here and t higgins you know here he's, they're gonna tag him man they're gonna tag him um and maybe they tag and trade and then we can have a conversation but like the tag is coming you are not going to sign him as a free agent the Bengals are going to keep him and if you want a reason why that video was kind of a thing you shouldn't tell you went and pulled it up right here earlier today i think this morning t higgins and jamar chase were on up and adams uh k adams show both wearing matching letter jackets very buddy buddy situation yep they they coordinated their outfits today and she asked them about i think she actually didn't ask i think she just said i hope you guys stick together in cincinnati and they both said yeah that's the plan but yeah that would probably it's almost certainly that's what we're gonna do so just just relax like that yes it would be nice if the titans could secure a talent like t higgins in free agency to help their wide receiver room is it going to happen I am. We we are big on not. You've been wrong before we, by saying things in absolutes. So I was about to say we're big on. Maybe not, you should continue to say this because uh, how people know how it works. <laughs> maybe say he's definitely not coming, right. and then it gives them even more. Hope. T. Higgins <laughs> is not going to be, nor will he ever be, a Tennessee Titan. Maybe. Okay. That being said, now that we have that on record, it can be clipped um, if my magical powers still apply. I yeah, I don't like absolutes, but in this case. It is very, very, very unlikely that he is a Titan this year. I'm not going to say forever, but in this current situation, they're almost certainly going to tag him. Now, do you have a thought on that before I talk about Brock Bowers? Yeah, and I think that with T, you're right. You were never going to sign him out, right? Because there's no way uh, on this earth that the Cincinnati Bengals are letting him walk for nothing. And that starts with a tag. Now, that will become an interesting thing when they either do an exclusive or non-exclusive Stoney, you will never make a million dollars. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and then also Paul also saying I'm coping on I'm coping from this conversation by being strike on strike. Can I just can I just say this? If this ages as poorly as my last two very definitive statements have, um, we're going to do we're going to do a show ASAP where it's just me taking requests for people to ask for things that I can accidentally make come true. Um, and it's gonna we're gonna charge it's gonna be like a four ninety nine door fee to get into the stream because there it's actually yep. it's a wishing well that comes true. So just just know that this is gonna be our big break if for some reason I'm wrong. Yeah, and as I was saying, when they eventually do tag him, it's going to be interesting to see if they do an exclusive or non exclusive right. tag. Um, and a tag and trade's not out of the realm of possibility. It's, it's very also very unlikely. Yes, it's very unlikely. It's very uncommon. It's more However, likely than him walking for nothing. Correct and. I mean, as we have seen from this, uh, from this already this off season for the Titans, right? A lot of uh, uncommon things happening this this season, this Very. off yep. season already. Unexpected things, unexpected things yep. happening. So anything is on the table, I think. But that one is pretty much for sure, in my opinion, uh, kind of out of the realm of possibilities. Now, a guy that the Titans could have on their team, almost certainly, um, but I think will certainly not choose to do so. Brock Bowers, tight end. Uh, the number one tight end in this year's draft class out of Georgia. Stud athlete, stud prospect, superstar in the making, it sure seems. Uh, he went on Pro Football Talk on NBC with Chris Sims and Mike Florio earlier this week on Radio Row, and they asked him about where he, you know, if you could choose the team, which you can't, but if you could, where would you go? Where would you go, Brock? And most prospects waffle or just say, like, I would like to be wherever they want me, that kind of thing. Um, but 
they threw that question out there and he gave a definitive answer. He, he said, I would, I wouldn't mind being in Tennessee. Now that was another thing that fans took and ran with, uh, foolishly. You look into what he actually said and the things that he said about Tennessee. Um, it almost certainly is an answer that he gave based on two things. One, a team like roughly in range to potentially draft him, which the Titans certainly are. And a team geographically that is the area where he is already used to living and enjoying living, which is also like his, I believe his girlfriend goes to the University of Tennessee. He, you know, goes to Georgia and is in the Georgia area like that. He's familiar with the area. He likes the area, obviously. Likes trucks. Big truck guy. To He's... the point where he wore an auto trader shirt because they would give him a free truck. Was that the reason that why? That was the reason why. That was why. the yes. incentive. It wasn't yes. a package of money. It wasn't nope, a briefcase. It, was a, it was a truck. Well, good for you. I'm glad you got a truck, Brock. That's very cool. Um, So, yeah, like, he, relax. That's not going to do anything to change whether the Titans are interested in him, first of all. Um, if you want to argue that like there's a finder's keepers clause here. And if a prospect wants to choose their team, they should be allowed to go to that team for free. And the Titans retain their first round pick. I'm willing to hear that argument. I really am. I don't think that that's going to stand up in any court of law or with the NFL front office, but you're welcome to try it. Otherwise the Titans are going to have to draft him at seven or move back and, and pick him later, which if they like when he said that, I, I think I tweeted out, Oh no, this better mean they trade back to, to pick him if they pick him. Yes. Because if you pick him at seven and we we're going to have this conversation in depth later so i don't want to dive too deep into it but the basics of it is this in a vacuum brock bowers is a very very high-end prospect he's a very talented player that any team that ends up landing him is going to be lucky and happy to have on their team he will probably be a difference maker early and often that's in a vacuum in the grand scheme of draft philosophy and a lot of you all know this it is an atrocious positional value decision to take a non-premium position such as tight end or offensive interior offensive line that early in the draft. Um, and, and it would be one, it would be a decision stacked on top of the Titans decision last year to pick a non-premium position at 11. Like if you, if you can go with stud guards and tight ends in the top 15 picks year over year, and they can be awesome and your hit rate can be very high. And that is all well and good and sick. But eventually that bill comes due because you are then stuck paying top of market rookie contracts and then second contracts to these non-premium positions that you almost certainly don't want to and definitely should not be paying them. Meanwhile, you're hunting for premium positions such as quarterback and wideout and edge rusher and cornerback and tackle and tackle. Thank you. You're searching for them in the bargain bin in free agency or trying to find value picks late in the in the draft and hit on low probability prospects it's bad process it just is and so that that is the the skinny of it we'll dive into that in serious detail on brock's case in particular because there are exceptions to these things there totally are it's not going to just be tackles and cornerbacks and quarterbacks off the board in the first round there are exceptions and sometimes those exceptions pay dividends they really do you have to pick and choose your spots um, and so we'll dive into all of that in our draft coverage coming up in the next coming weeks and months um, okay, here's my random take on on this team, this Titans team going forward, and then we'll we'll talk about the the Super Bowl and our our thoughts on that and the best bet gauntlet. Um, there's a there was a graphic that I that I came across on social media today that we have. JT, if you could throw that up for us, it is a graphic showing the charted turnover worthy throws from quarterbacks last season 
versus the actual interception percentage. So essentially showing how lucky quarterbacks got on throws that could have potentially been a turnover, right? Um, there's a line, there's a, there's a trend line there. Quarterbacks that are above that line were unlucky. A lot of their throws that could have been picked got picked. Quarterbacks that are under that line are quarterbacks that got lucky. They threw a lot of pick-worthy balls that ended up falling to the ground or, or the, the receiver made a play on them. Um, and along the x-axis, just for clarification here, because you're going to notice Tennessee Titans quarterback Will Levis in the very far uh, right, lower right quadrant there on, a, on an island of his own, that x-axis is how many turnover-worthy plays you had. So where Will Levis is, he got very, very lucky. Uh, on the x-axis, he threw a ton of turnover-worthy balls. But on the y-axis, very, very few of them were intercepted. And this is not something new to any of us that watched him watch the games. We, we talked about it every Sunday. Like, he got away with some out there. You know, he's making plays. Like, it certainly can't be overlooked that there were a handful of interceptions that were dropped. You know, that, that was something that happened more than on more than one occasion this year with him. But th this graph, I think, corresponds to me with something that I saw I believe it was an Ari Mayer, or was it R? I forget who, somebody, if you can find that for me, th there was a another uh, statistical tweet put out that our buddy Mike Herndon quote tweeted and basically summarized the takeaway from. Um, and while JT is finding that for me, I have what, what Mike was saying. And essentially what the tweet was, was putting out there the order of importance with which teams should be building their team both on offense and defense from a philosophy standpoint the things that you do as a team ordered from most important to least important right and it was okay so it was Arjun Menon um, who is a, a, a very very bright guy in the NFL space I believe he works with Sumer Sports um, if I'm not mistaken so shout out to Arjun uh, for putting this out there but Mike summed up the data in that tweet by ranking the six things you can do in order of importance. So from most to least important, here are the things that teams in the modern NFL should be prioritizing when they build their team and when their coaching staff installs a philosophy for the way that they play the game. Most important is passing efficiency, not success, not stats, efficiency. Efficient passing is the number one most important thing. Number two is avoiding turnovers. Also not shocking. Don't give the ball, don't give extra possessions to the other team. Number three is pass defense efficiency. So the defensive inverse of that number one thing, right? How efficient is your defense at stopping the other team from doing the number one thing to have success? Number four is creating turnovers. The inverse of the number two thing, right? How good is your defense at getting your team extra possessions? And then five and six are the offensive and defensive elements of the run game. Five is running efficiency on offense and six is run defense efficiency this list is not an opinion, right? This is statistically based. This is analytically based. It's, it's it, on the data front. It is sound. This is in the modern NFL, the most efficient way to, to operate as a team. If you do the things at the top better than the other teams, you're more than likely going to be a very successful team. And when you look at it, JT, and you think about what the Titans have been last year, but really we can say the last two to three years, what of those six things, there are two of them, to me, that stand out as identifying features of this Titans team of late. Which two are they? It would have to be, first of all, the running efficiency. Right, number five. Um, and then also the passing efficiency, I think. Oh, is that? As a, as as a negative. A, okay, so yes. Okay, so yes. That's not where I was going with it, but I agree. I agree that it was their, their lack of passing efficiency absolutely stands out. The two things for me that were like positive identifiers that I was pointing to, you were already along those lines, the running efficiency and the run defense. We talked yes. about how this team's run defense was elite for a lot of the past two years, and their run game has been very, very good for 
half a decade at this point. But you're totally right, and I'm glad that you brought that up. They were particularly, not just average, particularly bad at their passing efficiency, and even more so, number three, their pass defense efficiency. And the reason I bring all of this up is to say this. If this Titans team is trying to take a step into the future, like they very clearly are saying they are trying to do, and their actions are are, are aligning with that philosophy, this is the order in which they're going to prioritize their new team, their new ethos, their their new identity. And they're going to have to get away from their strengths being number five and six out of six and their weakness being number one and three. They're going to have to be a team. And that this was the idea behind, of course, bringing in Brian Callahan, uh, empowering Rand Carthon to build a modern, analytically sound 2024 NFL team, NFL offense. But um, the reason I bring in that chart from Will Levis that we have here on the screen is to say, a lot of that I, I wanted us to zoom out ultimately from what we've been talking about the past month. And it's been exciting. The new coaching hires, the, the promise of what this new team is going to be and the vision and all of these things ran Carthon. It's all good. It's all great. That guy in the bottom left-hand corner, a lot of it is riding on him and whether or not he can do that number one and number two thing on the list, be an efficient passer and avoid turning the ball over is going to largely dictate how this team succeeds, regardless of the coaching staff that they have, regardless of the other players in the team, regardless of the vision of the front office and the ownership, right? And, and I'm not trying to say that the modern NFL is a is like tennis or golf, where it's it's a one person sport. Like I, I push back on that hard when people talk like that. It is there's 22 players out there that 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 have to be doing their job in order to win ball games. But there's one guy in particular who it's not all riding on. But if he's not doing his job then the efforts of everybody else are minimized dramatically. And that is that guy in the bottom right-hand corner, Will Levis. And if last year was any indicator, which I'm not saying that it is, if last year was any indicator that this is the kind of guy that he is, that he is an ultimate gunslinger, he's a risk taker. Yes, he's going to have some big flashy plays downfield and he's going to do some very good things. But man, in this guy, man, is this guy going to put the ball into harm's way a ton? That is going to really take away from his ability to be a efficient passer and avoid turning the ball over. And I'm not saying that there aren't reasons beyond him for why he's in that area, right? I'm sure you're sitting here, JT thinking, well, it's hard not to put the ball in harm's way when you got to get the ball out very quickly on the run in a collapsing pocket to a receiver that is slow and not creating any separation. Yes. Yes. There are extenuating factors that go into the reason why he was down there for sure. But if you watch the tape like we did, JT, is it fair to say that there were a handful of times? And again, he's a rookie. You were expecting this to an extent. There were times when he put the ball in, in harm's way, and the, 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 the reason was him. There wasn't a good excuse. Yes, I, I totally agree with you there. And I think what you're talking about brings up a, a parallel to what the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen have done yes. for the last three years. And if you want to make the connection that oh, but you see Josh Allen do it and the Bills have been so successful. That is most, for the most part, a definite outlier that that team is built around being able to pick up the the, the crumbs of Josh Allen turning the ball over. And well, and he's an actual superhero. Way. That's the difference. Yes. Like the, 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 the raising of the ceiling and the floor that he does with the good things that he does almost always counteracts that I've heard him compared to like the Avengers before where it's like, we're going to save the city. We are a superhero, 
but we're going to have to throw some cars into buildings. Like we're going to yeah. have to burn some things down. Some people might get hurt. Some people might die. Like that's. And that's not what that's not what will is. At not all. yet. No, not yet. It no, be, I guess. It, it, because that you is, can operate that way dangerously, yes. but you can do it. Yes. Um, and I mean, that is some of the comps that people have given him over the past year and his running style and his the ability to throw his ball is that he could be this big Ben type, which ultimately is a Josh Allen type sure. that's more mobile. So could it could it work? Yes. But given the current state of this team, I think it would take another two or three years to get to that point if Will Levis were to develop like that. Yes, you have to rein it in. And ultimately, and this is what the team is, is absolutely attempting to do in order to get good at those number one and two things that he has to be in he has to he dictates largely right you've got to put him in a better situation which they're actively working on and you've got to develop him as a quarterback which they're actively working on and that segues us into the last bit of titans thing the last bit of titans news here uh the man that is going to be working most closely with will levis is now on the uh on the staff for the titans they have hired their new quarterbacks coach in um ed i'm totally blank on his name now hello Pulling up the notes. No, you're good. Here we go. His name is not Ed. I was like, there's no way it's Ed. Bo Hardigree. Bo Hardigree. Yeah. Thank you. Bo Let's Hardigree. Who's, I'm, go, I'm going to learn his name now, obviously. It's just been one day. Relax. Uh, former Raiders interim offensive coordinator, Bo Hardigree. He was the OC when Brian, uh, not Brian, right? Jo- Am I having an aneurysm? Josh McDaniels got fired last year from the Raiders. So he stepped in. And uh, those of you that watched Raiders football last year, Notice that it got dramatically better when he stepped in their offense. Uh, Aiden O'Connell, rookie day three, fifth round, I believe, quarterback was their guy, and they won a handful of games that they probably shouldn't have. Um, And so he steps in. He's 39 years old. He's a Jackson, Tennessee native. He was a quarterback at the University of Tennessee. So love that pandering. Glad the organization's finally getting the memo on that. 15 years of coaching experience at the at the professional at the college professional level, and then nine years of NFL coaching experience. Um, in the league, just some notes on him that I think are worth bringing up. He was promoted to the interim OC last year uh, on October 31st, and then the Raiders proceeded to win five games with Aiden O'Connell, averaged 22.9 points per game, 15.7 before promotion uh, was where they were at, and then he comes in and, and a, basically a, a full touchdown more per game. Now, I will say one of those games that is juicing the numbers a hair. We were here live at Boomba's watching. Uh, that lovely Thursday night football game between the Chargers and the Raiders yes. where they had like, I think, 107 points by halftime, something like that. So that helps. But again, like that, that's a part of it, man. He, he got that offense humming in a way that it wasn't before. And then they committed zero turnovers in six out of their nine final games with him as the OC, at least one in uh, in the eight first games. And then, of course, yeah, they dropped 60 on the Chargers in that game on Thursday Night Football. So there are a lot of reasons why he is a quality hire. I think that he is somebody that you can trust to bring along Will Levis. Um, Obviously, Brian Callahan does. He has a tie to Brian Callahan uh, through the Denver Broncos. They were both there. Hardegree was an offensive quality control coach uh, for the 2014 Denver Broncos, while Callahan was the offensive assistant, and they were there working in and in around the area with with Peyton Manning. So exciting hire for the Titans, for the Titans to bring in Bo Hardegree to help Will Levis develop, I think is uh, what hire that we saw coming. First of all, he was high on the list of folks that were paying attention to these things. Uh, but it's, it's a good one, I believe. Yeah, no, I, I'm right there with you. It goes back to the to the uh, statement I think that we've had all along about Brian Callahan is that let him build his own staff and build a staff and a culture that he trusts in and allows them and knows them that to a certain point that he will let them do their job Mm. without too much of him 
just kind of being overbearing and, and overcorrecting. So I think that is another step uh, on the path to having a good staff that will work towards the benefit of Will Levis and this Titans team versus the opposite. Um, before well, let's talk about the Super Bowl now. Are you are you, are you happy to move on yeah, from the Titans? Okay, sure. let's talk about the Super Bowl a little bit. Uh, last carbon in the comments. Appreciate you being here. He says thoughts on Anthony Richardson playing more than four games next year. I think the odds are very high. I hope that he does because yes. I think he's super fun to watch. So I hope so. Um, if he doesn't, then we'll have to have a serious conversation about health. But otherwise, let's wait and hope it doesn't happen and see if it happens. Okay. The Chiefs and the 49ers are playing a pretty significant game on Sunday. And uh, I just wanted to like take five, ten minutes to give our thoughts on what we think may or may not happen. We'll largely be talking about our thoughts in the context of the Best Bet Gauntlet Super Bowl edition, which we'll have here in just a second. But before we get to the actual betting side of things, JT, what are your expectations for this game? What are you maybe hoping to see? What are you scared we might see? Yeah, so I think what I'm expecting to see, I think we're going to see a game of adjustments. I think we see a fast start, but a slow finish. You have two teams here in Kyle Shanahan's uh, electric offense versus Steve Spagnola uh, defense that loves adjusting and can absolutely suffocate you come the second half. So I'm expecting the, the you get a full 30 minutes in the yes. in the locker room. And I heard somebody, a former uh, Super Bowl winner, talking about how like people don't realize cause it's overblown during the season about like game in game adjustments. We tell people all the time on the show, like man, it's hard. Like it's yep. but in the Super Bowl, you could, like he was saying that it was a guy that played on the Saints when they beat the Colts, and mm -hmm. he said they had a, a first 15 plays coming into the game game plan for offense, and then uh, uh, Sean Payton at halftime they they schemed up a, a first 15 for the second half. Like that's the kind of thing you can do, and you can guarantee that Steve Spagnuolo is going to be doing that kind of thing, and, yes. and Andy Reid's going to be doing that kind of thing, and, and Kyle Shanahan's going to be doing that kind of thing. Yes, and, and even that that San Francisco 49ers defense, which I think a lot of people think is pretty evenly matched. I think Kansas City has the edge on defense, but it's still a pretty damn yes. good defense um, that I think is going to. It's got a little brand name situation. It's got kind of a like a, a little yes. Dallas Cowboys offensive line where they were awesome for five years in a row. And so you just think that they perpetually are. But that was like two or three years ago. They're not the the, the I'll say this. The, the 49ers defense is not what it was when they met in Super Bowl a couple years ago. It is, it is not as good as it was then. Is it bad? I don't think so. Yeah. But it can be exposed mm -hmm. in, the, in the running game, for example. I mean, the, the Lions last week, I think, hung 130-some-odd rushing guards on them in a loss. So, Yeah, and, uh, and I think that in this game, it's going to be a game of adjustments. But you can definitely bet that this is Kyle Shanahan's third time being here, second as a head coach, first uh, or second as a head coach, once as an offensive coordinator. How badly do you uh, think he wants to win this game? He wants to win this game really, really <laughs> badly, considering he it, the – um, notorious choker, the notorious Kyle choking Shanahan, the narrative uh, yeah. narrative here from him from both the Falcons. And then I won't put the entire game on him in that Super Bowl, but it was a lot to do with his a couple of his decisions. So I think he's going to empty every and all tricks out of his bag this this weekend. And I think it's going to be an exciting game. Do you think that narrative gets to him in the sense not not just, hey, you haven't won yet. You're a defining coach of our generation. You should you know, you should win a, a Super Bowl. He, he would. I, I heard somebody. I wish I'd written this down. If he loses this game, he will join a very exclusive list of coaches to have uh, been to and lost this many Super Bowls and not have a win. Um, they're good coaches. They're like Hall of Fame defining coaches, but they're a group of coaches that like, yeah, you know their name and they're good and they're legends, but they're not they're not Kyle Shanahan's. Mm -hmm. The way that he has impacted the game dramatically, far more yep. than they have, he belongs in the tier with the guys that have won the game. Do you think it's going to get to him at all, this narrative of, well, in the first two games, you know, they, they kind of lost because he got really conservative as a play caller and he played not to lose and then he lost. Do you think he 
kind of gets tilted on that front. And if it's close late or if they're up late, he is surprisingly aggressive as to not make like if I'm going to go down, it's not going to be in that same way kind of deal. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. However, I think it could work in the opposite way. I think you were talking about you had some concerns as we talk in the best bet gauntlet that Kyle Shanahan might be conservative towards Brock Purdy and limiting the mistakes that he possibly could make. And so could it happen in the reverse where he starts too conservative and that's how you kind of let the game get away from you. You get too conservative. You only put up 10 points in the first uh, two quarters. And let's say Kansas city puts up 27 or so in the first two quarters that could happen. Sure. And then you're playing down from the entire game when you could have just played your game that you've played all season instead of, choosing to do kind of like what the Ravens did and kind of play too conservative and try to play a whole different game that you don't know. That could be something that I think could work in the opposite way. But right now I think I trust him uh, to put together a game plan this time with what he has that will really lend towards their success. Honestly, my final thought on this before we talk about the gauntlet and you can, you you can just go with whatever you have left um, is this, you mentioned the Raven (laughs) And Kenneth in the comments says Chiefs win. Blah. Are you going to watch the game, dude? Like, are you just are you so burnt out on on this that you don't even want to hear about it? Um, Which is why I was so sorry. I don't. I don't think they're going to win. For the record, I, I won't be surprised. Obviously, I won't be surprised if they do. But I'm leaning Niners win. Which is why I'm, I'm about so, to explain why. So uh, confused by yes. Most Titans fans were very happy to see the Ravens win or Ravens lose last week. But now you get to the point where it's like, oh yeah, the Chiefs are just going to win now. Wouldn't you rather like? Now let had the Ravens beat the Chiefs and then go against them now and right. back the 49ers instead of just kind of laying your head down and dying. Remember that time like, when I was very publicly vocal? Yeah, but we were very publicly vocal pro Ravens for this very reason. And folks yes. said we don't care. And now suddenly they, they're like, I don't even want to watch the game anymore, yep. man. Stupid cheat. You asked for this, dude. <laughs> you you I know Kenneth in particular. You asked for this. So don't you don't get to blah. You have to watch and you have to like it. Um, no, but here's the reason why I am leaning Niners. And again, I, I think it's going to be a good game. I'm hoping for a good game overall. Um, I, I, I want, I want it to be close and whoever wins won't surprise me. Honestly, it won't. That being said, I think the Niners are more likely to win for this reason. You, you look at the Ravens last week. I stand by everything I said about the Ravens. They were and are the better team this year on paper and in execution in that game. They weren't. And that, that's the beauty. We talk about this for years. We talked about this in the NFL. The beauty of this league is when you get to the postseason. All you got to do is be the better team for 60 minutes. It does not matter. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. And that is what makes it beautiful chaos. That being said, in that Ravens game, coming in, they were the better team throughout the year. They were the better team on paper. They lost the game because of still to this day, a game plan that I can't really understand. I can't wrap my head around. I can't explain the reasoning behind those decisions they made. The way that Lamar played was pretty tilted from the beginning. It, it wasn't smart. It wasn't efficient. And it really was one of those games, those games where the Chiefs come out, the first two drives, they look dominant. They score touchdowns and back-to-back uh, outings. And then the offense doesn't do a dang thing the rest of the game. They score three points the rest of the outing. <coughs> Excuse me. And, um, it, it, you know, I'm, I don't think I'm being a Chiefs hater really when I say I came away from that game frustrated, not just that the Chiefs had won, but frustrated that really it wasn't a game that the chiefs had won really. Like it was, it, it was more than the, the narrative coming out was, man, the Ravens really blew that. They, the Ravens lost more than the chiefs won. If that makes sense. And I don't think that's being biased or unfair at all. Just look on paper. The chief, they, they scored 
two touchdowns at the beginning of the game and then did nothing the rest of the game. And they just let, the, and to their credit, like, good teams do this. They let the Ravens make mistake after mistake after mistake, shoot themselves in the foot, make poor decisions, be inefficient, and play themselves out of the competition. And they're, to the credit of the Chiefs defense, they were they were a big part of that. All of that being said, you look at the Niners in a similar way to the Ravens, where on paper, th- this Niners team is the better team in this matchup. It is. Um, obviously not at quarterback, and the quarterback is a big deal, and, and the quarterback for the Chiefs is really the only reason it's even close, in my opinion. But the, the 49ers are the better team on paper. They also this season have been clearly the better team start to finish. If you get in this game, you know, the, the Niners have played nine, what 19 games so far this year, 18 games, whatever it is. Eight, say, uh, no, 19 games. They played 19 games. If you get the eighth, ninth, tenth best, just the median 2023 49ers performance in this one, they should win this game. Yep. And I would say last week, if you got the eighth, ninth, tenth median performance from the Ravens this past year, they would have won that game. Unfortunately, the, the Chiefs were a big part of forcing them into this, this behavior. The Ravens gave you their like, maybe worst game of the entire year. Yep. Um, so all my ultimate ask is this. I just want the winner to be the winner because they won the game. I don't want to have the same feeling I had coming away from that Ravens Chiefs uh, conference championship game where the, the team that won really didn't win as much as the losing team lost. That is frustrating to sit through and it's frustrating to talk about. Um, and so if the Chiefs win, that's fine. I just want it to be because they they went out there and they earned it and both teams played well, but they they made more plays. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Okay, anything else on that before we talk no, about the bets? I think we should move on. All right, hey, we got the best bet gauntlet as our last thing here before we get to mercifully stop and go eat some delicious food here at Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House, our wonderful and amazing sponsor here on the Hot Raid Podcast. But the best bet gauntlet, a big year for us. I don't, did, did we go and update this yes, at all? That's okay, all so updated. it's updated. Okay, so we've had a tough playoffs, like, we're not hiding that at all. We don't hide yes. through good or through bad on this show. It's all out there because guess what? Only bad betters hide when things go wrong. You know why? Because any honest better, even the best, get cold. That's how that, that talk to anybody that actually makes a living in the betting space. You're going to have ups. You're going to have downs. It's like Tiger Woods in the golf course. You can't let one hole or a couple of holes get you too high or too low. You got to stay even keeled. And based, if you'd just been following us the past three weeks, you'd be like, these guys are bozos. They're lifetime losers betting. Like, there's no way. And yet, to prove my point, you look at the season on a whole, we have a losing record in the playoffs. And yet, this year, we 123 get money betting at above a pro clip. For my part, 59, 51, and 4. JT is 64, 47, and 3. So we're looking to finish strong here with three bets apiece in the Super Bowl. JT, we largely took props in this one. Super Bowl's hard to handicap, man. Yes. I know you were talking about it earlier in the week, but I we, we really put some time into it. I think, I think we have some good ones here. I do I really do feel good about these. And you get the first pick. So where are you going to start out the best bet gauntlet Super Bowl edition? Yeah, and just like you said, three picks instead of the normal five, because obviously when you have two games, you can kind of start to look at different games and probably get five picks out of it. For one game, the hardest game to handicap of the year, you got to do three. However, uh, we're doing three on here, but we will have an article up on Broadway Sports Media. We or, couldn't help ourselves. Uh, we couldn't help ourselves. We have a bunch more. <laughs> we'll, we'll have a. If you want all of our picks, they'll be in an article going up Saturday. There's like what, like 15, um, 20 of them? There's a lot. There, there's, you know, I'm gonna write a couple 
write-ups of things that I will be well, here's placing personally we, in my we, money on. We do so. even-ish money bets for the gauntlet, right? Yes. Anything from minus 125 to plus 125 is what we limit ourselves to. But there are um, a lot of But there's some fun little parlay the, sprinkles, the, some MVPs, uh, some long yeah. shots. Yeah, so we're going to be tugging all of that in the article that I will have out by Saturday. But I'm yep. hope there's a chance we have it out tomorrow on yep. Friday. So check it out on social media. Be following at JT underscore Runky, at Easton Freeze, at Hot Read Pod to find that then. Yeah, that being so said, with my first pick, there we go. Uh, I'm going to take San Francisco money line, but in the first half, their okay. first half money line, which I believe is minus 120 right now. Yep. Uh, when I checked on at least FanDuel Sportsbooks, here's why I like this one. This is obviously in this one. I think if you're going to go aside, I'm still leaning. If you can get the Chiefs at two and a half, I think I'm leaning that because just as a better, I think that's the solid way to go within this game. However, I think that in this game. The team that's going to start out fast or, the fa- or faster sure. is going to be uh, Kyle Shanahan's San Francisco offense. Okay. I think that this defensive adjustment that I thought you were about to go. I'm sorry. I thought you were about to go full booger and say the team that starts out faster is probably going to be the team that's leading <laughs> in half. And I was going to say, um, yes, that's a great that's no. a great take, JT. Um, but I think that when you look back at these playoffs so far for the Kansas City Chiefs, the, the opposing team that the Chiefs have played has been the better team through yeah. one half, sure. I think. And when you look at it, it, it's really been to the testament of Steve Spagnola to adjust in these games. That and I think that is not going to be any different this week, which means I think that at least for the first half, we go into halftime saying that the San Francisco 49ers are up. And then that's where you start to, <laughs> that's where I may be placing some, some money on, on start Kansas to white, city white plus a little bit, right. uh, two and a half because as we've seen, this is a second half team, at least in the playoffs. It's kind of night and day that we've seen these two teams. Kansas City was not a second half team in in the regular season, and all of a sudden in the postseason, that's where they've played their best football. That's where they played their most mistake free football, mm-hmm. and I think that's is going to happen again in this game. So I'm going to take San Francisco money line in the first half. With my first pick of the best bet gauntlet Super Bowl edition, I'm taking Patrick Mahomes under a half interception, which is minus one ten, I believe, on FanDuel or Draft. One of those two, one of the big books. Um, minus 110 for Patrick Mahomes under a half interception. I don't think he's going to throw one for these reasons. Very simple. Zero interceptions in his last six playoff games. Seven in his entire career. Most of them were very early on. Um, most of them were in game. Like I think he had two or three in that Super Bowl against the Bucks, where that defense was just eating them alive. I don't think that's going to be the case in this one. Um, and then a couple when he was younger and uh, just making more more rookie mistakes. Recent playoff history shows that this is a guy that has evolved. He's matured. He's gotten to a point as a passer where he is, he, he knows that number two tenant in the modern NFL is you got to not turn the ball over. A common theme with my bets this week also is just going to be uh, how much I think this is going to be a pretty run heavy game. I think that the run game for both of these offenses is going to be a big part of the offense success for these teams. I don't think that they're going to be passing the ball a ton. I think it's going to be kind of some Titan style, vintage Titans. We're going to run the ball and we're going to take some big opportunistic shots downfield. We're going to have those splash plays, but it's not going to be a, a very high volume passing game. So give me Mahomes under a half interception because he's had none in the last six. And because of that run heavy script, my next pick here, I'm going to stay with Patrick Mahomes here and I'm taking Patrick Mahomes over four and a half rush attempts uh, this week. And this in my next one are kind of based on the same principle in this game. And that is, that if the Chiefs want to move the ball down the field through the passing game, they really only have two options, which is Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey, both guys who have been able to eat up zone coverage the entire season. 
49ers play a lot of zone coverage, and I expect them in this defense to try the best to their abilities to double-team Travis Kelsey and Rasheed Rice. Mm -hmm. And I think what that leads to in this game is that you see these guys not getting open. Patrick Mahomes starts to feel the pressure. He starts to extend plays a lot more than he usually does, and I think that's where you start to see him scramble in these games. We know he likes to scramble a lot more in the playoffs and extend those plays uh, versus the regular season. And Mm -hmm. so I think... With that, with them giving so much attention to Travis Kelsey and Rasheed Rice, I think Patrick Mahomes is going to have the ability to move a lot more. So I'm going to take the over on his rushing attempts, four and a half. And just some numbers to bolster that, by the way, he's gone over four and a half rushing attempts in nine of his last 15 games. And in all three of his previous Super Bowl, he's gone over that number. He seems to just kind of empty the chamber. Nine, five, and six rush attempts in his first three Super Bowl attempts. So I like that one a lot. I'm going to stick on – actually, no, just kidding. I lied. I wrote it down wrong. Uh, I'm going to be going to the 49ers side of the ball here with my second pick of the best bet gauntlet, Super Bowl edition, taking Debo Samuel over 79.5 rushing plus receiving yards. So all-purpose yards, 80 or more for Debo for these reasons. He has, first of all, I'm adding the rush plus reception because I'm confident he's going to get rushing attempts, three or more rushing attempts for him in every single healthy playoff game in his career. He's the got, line is currently at two and a half, too. So that's oh, a good one okay. also to yep. look So if at. you want to take the three, there you go. Every healthy game he's ever played, which we know that he is healthy right now. He's fully healthy. He's had two weeks off. Uh, he had 96 all-purpose yards two weeks ago against the uh, against the Lions. So that game obviously went over. Um, he's gone under that 80-yard, excuse me, that uh, 78 point. I, I Actually, just kidding. It's 78.5 rush receiving yards, not 79. So he's gone under that number. Uh, in four of his 11 playoff career games, one of those he was hurt in, and one of those he had no quarterback. That was the Eagles game last year where there's nobody to throw the ball to him. So um, this Chiefs defense, for their part, is is built to stop outside receivers, right? They've got some really nice um, corners that can live on an island, and so I think there's maybe going to be some uh, less of Brendan Ayuk and some more of Debo in this game. I think it's going to be a big Debo game. I think it's going to be a game where Kyle Shanahan is leaning heavily on his explosive elite athletes like Debo Samuel. He's a big game player. I think this is going to be a big game for him. I think he's going to have 80 or more all-purpose yards. Yeah, and then for my final pick, let's uh, take a trip down memory lane real quick to last year okay. and look at uh, our bets last year. We went 10-1, and one, yep. and the one player who did not cash for us was Marquez Valdez-Scantling last mm. year. You're going back to the well? I think we're going back to the well for a little bit of redemption <laughs> okay. here. I'm taking like MBS like over one and a half receptions in this game. Um in his last seven games, he's had at least two targets or more in those games and kind of along the lines there, this San Francisco team likes to play a lot of zone coverage, which means that they are going to try to double team Travis Kelsey and mm-hmm. Rishi Rice as much as possible, which leaves only really one option, I think, on this team, which is Marvez Valdez-Scantling, who is actually really, really good against man coverage, which I think he's going to get a lot of on the outside because mm-hmm. it really is him, Justin Watson, and that's it. So if you're going to go to one of those two, you're going to go to MVS. And so this is a bet, really, I think he's going to get the targets. It's more of a bet on can he catch a ball? Sure. <laughs> and so sure. Uh, with that one, I nine good. targets, one reception. <laughs> it, that would <laughs> in, that would incoming. be that would be infuriating. Very apropos. Yeah. Uh, regardless, I think that if um, this game goes that way and they do play a lot of that coverage, um, I think MVS is going to catch the ball this time because he has been catching the ball lately. He's kind of gotten that out of the system. And so that's been good for him. So I'm going to take his over on receptions. The, the value on that line is also 
good. Uh, the over is uh, it's kind of 50-50, but they were showing a little bit more value, about 2% on that for return right. on investment. So I like that bet there to be my third and final. All right, with my third and final pick of the Best Bet Gauntlet Super Bowl edition, I'm going Isaiah Pacheco over 67 and a half rushing yards. Like I said, I think it's going to be a run-heavy game. Uh, very simple handicap on this one. He's gone over that number in five of his last six. The man that runs like he bites people. Uh, I think that he's going to run like he's going to bite the whole stadium this week. Um, the Niners run defense, very vulnerable. I went and looked in their last six games. The Niners run defense has allowed an average of 137 and a half rush yards. So the, the rushing yards are there to be had. They had uh, a single rusher last week against the Lions. I think Montgomery went for like 90 some odd yards. So a, a big opportunity for Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, another just kind of a bonus one. I think uh, Isaiah Pacheco scoring a touchdown is very good value as well. That's minus 117. He's had at least one touchdown in six of his last seven games. So that that run heavy script against the weak 49ers Brundy, I'm going with uh, Checo over 67 and a half rushing yards. And so those are our three each picks for the uh, Super Bowl best bet gauntlet. To recap, JT has San Francisco first half money line, Patrick Mahomes over four and a half rushing yards, and Marquez without a scantling. rushing attempts. Excuse Sorry. me, over four and a half rushing attempts, uh, over four and a half yards. I like that one too. For the record, I don't think it's a very good. Good, good price on that one, but I like that bet. Uh, and then Marcus Feldes Scantling over one and a half receptions. For my part, I've got Mahomes under a half reception, so no, no in, interceptions. Goodness, no interceptions for Patrick Mahomes. Debo Samuel over 78.5 rush plus receiving yards, and Isaiah Pacheco over 67 and a half rushing yards. Uh, you got to do we have a couple of wacky ones want to throw out there before? Yeah, we I was going to throw out, out two wacky ones okay. that won't be in the article, but I do like uh, okay. Debo Samuel anytime touchdown. I think the value is good on that one. I think he's okay. plus 185. And like you said, I think he's going to have a big game as well. So with that probably comes a touchdown. So I sure. think that's a good play there. And then taking the over on the national anthem, man, Reba? over 84 and a half seconds. That numbers come down. Man, it has. It was started the, at 86 because the Intel dictates the she's Intel, a fast singer. Yes. On the, on the, the Intel uh, yeah. dictates that the last time she did something like this, it was 83 and a half seconds, mm. but I think she's going to take in the moment, a little which I bit believe more. was a lower level baseball game. I think so. Was. Yes. Like a triple. Either way, I think game. she's going to take her time with this one. I'm taking the over on the national anthem. Okay, good to know. Uh, that is our best bet gauntlet for the Super Bowl. Our last one of the year. Pour one out. Can't wait to get back. I already can't wait to get back to week one. Um, and that is our show for today. Appreciate everybody that tuned in live with us. Make sure you're subscribed on Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. Make sure you're following us on social media at Hot Read Pod. JT and I are going to go eat and talk about what we're going to do for draft season. We've got some big ideas. We're going to chart all that out. We'll be diving into that head first come Tuesday, uh, which will which is when we'll be with you next. Until then, for producer JT and your host, Easton Freeze, this has been the Hot Read Podcast. We'll talk to you next week. Enjoy the show.